Hare Krishna, Vanchakal Patrivyascha Kritusandubya Vichapatipanam Avanibyo Vaishnavibyo Namo Namaha. We're ready to resume with uh, Canto 11, Chapter 26, the Aila Gita. Uh, we've only did, done one, one text, two now, um, because uh, um, the first text talks about the possibly potential of realizing the Supreme Lord in the human form of life. And uh, the purport goes on to mention that uh, this chapter is about the danger of bad association, and uh, we will hear the Aile Gita, the lamentation of Purugava showing his regrets for bad association. So this, uh, that's, uh, so we gave some, some, some of the backstory about uh, uh, Purva's uh, name, Ila, from Ila, his mother, uh, uh, where that came from. So now, uh, we're going to continue here with text two, and then uh, we'll give a little more of the backstory from the ninth canto. in the proper place. So we're going to now listen to text number two. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya And so text two actually has three lines. Can you read it? Gunnamaya Jiva Yonya so jnana nishtaya kuneshu maya matreshu drishmane shvabastutaha vartmano pinapumam yunjate vastubir gunai Translation A person fixed in transcendental knowledge is free from the conditioned life by giving up his false identification with the products of the material modes of nature. Seeing this products simply as illusion, he avoids entanglement with the modes of nature. Although constantly among them, although constantly among them, because the modes of nature and their products are simply not real, he does not accept them. So here they're describing the uh, state uh, of a person who is, as it says here in the translation, fixed in transcendental knowledge. This is the word. Uh, this person is called, you'll see in the first line here, uh, vimukto. He is uh, liberated. Uh, and he is jnanishta uh, by being... Uh, uh, fixed in jnana, transcendental knowledge, jnana nishta, nishtaya. Uh, and uh, uh, what is he liberated from? Gunamaya and Jiva Yonya. Um, uh, the 
material coverings. Uh, the word yonya here, uh, which is translated in the word for word as the cause of material life or false identification, uh, uh, literally yonya means forming a womb or receptacle. So the jiva is like enclosed uh, by uh, a covering, which is described as gunamaya, made of or composed of the modes of material nature. That's the state. So one has to become free from that. Just as a baby may come out of a womb, you have to come, we have to come out of this covering of maya. Uh, that's what the... Uh, 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 it's saying here. And then, uh, the next line, Gunesha, Guneshu, Maya, Matreshu, Vishnamaneshu, Avastutaha. This, this person uh, who is, uh, uh, sees these products uh, uh, as that, that are uh, uh, in the, uh, those things uh, which appears before the eyes, this Vishamanesu, this is the location of things which are Maya Matreshu, Maya Matra, nothing but Maya, nothing but illusion. Matra is merely Maya. Uh, 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 and they're among the products of the material modes of nature, Guneshu. Uh, and they appear before the eyes, but they are perceived, but they are uh, Maya Matru uh, and Avastutaha. They say here, not real. But Avastu means substance. So Avastu is insubstantial. They're, they're insubstantial. Vartamana pi na pumam. That person uh, who is living among them, uh, uh, constantly among them, uh, uh, he does not become yunjate. Uh, he does not become entangled. Uh, with those gunai, with the modes, because uh, they are vastu. Again, the same word repeated twice, insubstantial or unreal. He doesn't accept them or become in, entangled. Uh, Swami translates this a little more simply. Freed from the material coming, coverings, composed of the gunas, and imposed upon the jiva, jiva yonya, by being fixed in knowledge, existing amid material sense objects, but seeing them as insubstantial, a person is not entangled by those insubstantial objects. In other words, you see things for what they are. If you become free from your own material and coverings that's imposed upon us, uh, then you, even if you're in the middle of the set of subjects, you'll not be, you'll see them for being uh, uh, insubstantial. 
here the purport says, of the three modes of nature become manifest as varieties of material bodies, places, families, countries, foods, sports, war, peace, and so forth. In other words, everything we see within the material world is constituted of the modes of nature, Brunamaya. Um, a liberated soul, although existing within the ocean of material energy, sees everything as the property of the Lord and is thus not entangled. Uh, this is the Jivan Mukta, in the body but liberated. Although Maya tempts subs a liberated soul to become a thief and steal the property of the Lord for sense gratification, the Krishna conscious person does not bite the bait of Maya. So here the purport's going a little bit beyond the verse, showing that the, the, the seeing through the illusion, the illusion is thinking their mind. Why well, can be a, uh, uh, I can. Uh, uh, in a sense, it's real because it's Krishna's energy. But as soon as I alienate it from Krishna by the act of sense gratification, it becomes insubstantial and illusory. I try to enjoy it. I don't enjoy. Uh, a person remains honest and pure in Krishna consciousness. He, in other words, he does not believe that anything within the universe can become his personal property for sense gratification, especially the illusory form of a woman. It's illusory because everything is illusory, <laughs> one among many. But that's the idea, that's the sense object, uh, the objectifying male gaze. But, of course, many women spend a lot of time making themselves delectable objects for the objectifying male gaze. It's part of the, the deal, and vice versa. As Prabhupada said, for the man, woman is a woman, but for the woman, man is the woman. Or a sense object, with a sex object. Vishnu Chakrabarti Thakur also comments on this verse. Uh, he says, uh, Liberated from the upadis uh, uh, or coverings on the jiva composed of gunas. You know the verse, Sarva upadi vinir muktam, free from all these upadis. You know, limited impositions that you place on things. Liberated from the upadis or coverings on the jiva composed of gunas, a person is not entangled by objects which are insubstantial. So he continues to exist amid, amidst sense objects. This is this gunashu in the first slide, which are material, maya, matreshu, which have no relationship with the Supreme Lord. At least we see them there. The, the enjoying gaze is the gaze of this is mine, and therefore not God's. Uh, anyway, this uh, the Supreme Lord, he is not attached like a conditioned jiva. Uh, no, excuse me, a deliberated person. He is not attached like a conditioned jiva. Why? He sees these objects to be unreal. He sees only me, Paramatma. So that's the vision of a liberated soul. Everything 
is controlled and owned by the Lord. Uh, that's that's how he just sees, and this is his energy. He's the owner and the enjoyer, and that that means you're liberated. Then uh, we go on. Now here is the point. We're getting up to this point with the text number three. Uh, Sangam na kuriyadad, Sangam na kuriyad asatam, Shishnudara tipam kajit, Shanugas tamasyandhe, Patatyandanu gandavat. One should never associate with materialists, those dedicated to gratifying their genitals and bellies. By following them, one falls into the deepest pit of darkness, just like a blind man who follows another blind man. So, Sangam uh, uh, association, Sadhu Sangha is good, but this is uh, Asatam Sangha, of those who are not Satsangha, but Asatsangha. Asatanga Tyaga Evaishava Acharya. How will you know a, a, a devotee? This is the answer. Asatanga Tyaga gives up the association of those who are materialistic. Uh, this is Lord Chaitanya's answer in the Chaitanya Charge Amrita. How will you know a Vaishnava? Asatanga Tyaga Evaishnava Acharya. This is the behavior of Vaishnava. He gives up the association of asats, of those who are asat. Um, uh, and shishna udara, the chipam and to the uh, genital and belly, eating and reproduction. Uh, or not even reproduction, just sex. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, so that no time uh, uh, does one uh, not at any time. Uh, there's no association with his uh, at all with these uh, people at any time. Tasyanuga, uh, the follower, Anuga, Anuga, right? Uh, of any such person, one who follows those, Tamasi Andhe Patati, he falls into the darkest pit. There's even hells known as Anda, Anda to Misra, you know, that falls down into the darkest pit. And here's that saying, Andanuga Andavat, like the blind leading the blind, which we've all heard, like the blind leading the blind. Uh, Anda Aru, 
Anuga, following a blind person. Andavat, like a blind person following a blind person. That's what happens, he says here. I think there, there, there's uh, no purport here in the uh, BT edition. Vishnu uh, Chakravarti says, being in this condition, he should not associate with materialists. Uh, the way here the, in the BBT purport is given as by following them, uh, the way Vishnu Chakravarti uh, understands it, uh, uh, or the way it's it's uh, uh, translated by Swami is by following even one such person. One falls into the deepest pit of darkness, just like a blind man who follows it. So just, just one. Uh, uh, being in this condition that is surrounded by sense objects and uh, still in, in the material world, one should, he should not associate with materialists. Nothing is as dangerous as that. The qualities of the materialist are described. He takes pleasure in sex and eating. What will happen to the economy without those unnecessary sex, unnecessary eating? Or to speak of associating with many such people, even associating with one of them causes fall down. That's where Bhaneswami gets his translation from uh, this purport by. Uh, so just one. So now the story. Uh, now the story. Uh, so with text four, Pailasam rat imam gattam gayatta brihatschava urvashi virahan mushan nirvinda shukasamyane. The following song was sung by the famous emperor Pururava when deprived of his wife Urvashi. He was at first bewildered, but by controlling his lamentation, he began to feel detachment. So Ayla, we've already discussed last class, this is the other name, the, the matronymic of Purudava, uh, um, who's a very, very famous emperor, uh, Samrat. Not just Rat, which is Ula, but Samrat. Uh, an emperor is one who rules over many kings. It's the idea of an emperor, the king of kings, right? Uh, saying this song, Gata, uh, Gatam is a song, saying this song, and then it mentions Purava, it's called Brihatshava, whose fame is great, widely celebrated king. Uh, we see, as we'll see, so far, they've been describing the people in the, of, the, of the dynasty of the sun. Now we switch to the moon dynasty. Uh, there's two lines of kshatriyas, the Surya Vamsha and the Chandra Vamsha, or, 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 or Vamsha. not to say Somavamsha, but from the moon, uh, Chandra Vamsha. Uh, 
So, so for example, Lord Krishna comes in the line of the of the sun. Excuse me, of the moon. I'm sorry, you have it opposite. What I mean, he comes in the line of the moon. The the Kshatriya is descending from the moon, whereas Lord Ramachandra from the sun. And if you look at the ninth ninth uh, back of the ninth canto volumes. They have nice little genealogical things. <laughs> you can you can, you can uh, follow follow them. So this is this is also the beginning. Really, what the Bhagavatam does is, in the ninth canto is go through and tell the story of different uh, kings and 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 manus and and, and so on. And and uh, every so often they stop tell the story. So that's what's happening. So this is the story of. Purva, whose glories were vast, huh? uh, it says in the purport here, and Brihatshrava, uh, Urvasi Viraha, okay, Viraha, separation from Urvasi, not Krishna, but Urvasi, uh, he became Mukhyan, bewildered or disturbed uh, by this. And then, uh, Nirvinna when he was able to bring Samyame, uh, bring under control his shoka, his grief, his lamentation, then Nirvina, he became detached. And it says in the purport here, this story is also narrated in the ninth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. But this song is not in the ninth canto. They save it for later. <laughs> Uh, actually, he separated from her twice, but anyway. Uh, Ayla, or Pururava, was a great king whose glories were vast. On being separated from Urvashi, he felt a great bewilderment at first, but after meeting her briefly at Kurukshetra, he worshipped the demigods with the sacrificial fire given him by the Gandharvas and received the privilege of entering the planet where she resided. It's a heavier story than, than just that. Uh, so, uh, uh, this purport just repeats what uh, what uh, Thakur says, and then he, but Vishnu says when his lamentation dissipated after enjoyment there, he had, because he he worshipped the devatas by fire sacrifice. He attained her association on Gandharva Loka. He, he, he was the Gandharvas gave him the the, the, uh, the fire so he could do fire sacrifice. He attained her association on the higher planets. And then it says, when his lamentation dissipated after enjoying there, Bhakti Jnana and Vairagya, which had been covered by obstacles previously, appeared in him. So that was there, but because of that now, then he sang this song. So this is at the end of the story. The ninth canto can be consulted for the story, which we will do now. <laughs> so we go, now we're going to, we're beginning, we read the, from the beginning of the ninth canto, now we're up to chapter 14, where again it resumes the story. And it's, it's, um, uh, and this idea, of this Punyakirta, the glorious to hear about, about Purururva, 
Uh, and if Sukadev Goswami tells Mahapariksit, now you've been you've heard so far about the uh, dynasty of the sun. Uh, now the uh, uh, Soma Vamsha, uh, I'm going to tell you. Um, and now he tells the backstory, a little more of the backstory than we got before. Uh, so because he starts with Lord with Gabodakshai Vishnu. And then, uh, 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 also known as Shahasra Shirsha Purusha, from his navel, there was a lotus, Brahma was there, and Atri, uh, the son of Brahma, uh, 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 appeared um, uh, there. Then, uh, who is as qualified as Brahma. And then it says of Atri, Atri had tears of jubilation, and then his son Soma uh, was born from those tears, which was, is full of soothing rays. So tears of jubilation are of happiness. You have sad tears and happy. These are tears of happiness. And so Lord Brahma, when Atri's tears produced his son Soma, like Brahma, he produces people just out of his bodily parts, and I rather so Atri did the same thing. Uh, so it says that Brahma appointed uh, him as the director of the, the moon, that is, the director of the Brahmanas, the drugs, and the luminaries, that is to say, the, the, the stars. So, um, then, uh, Soma, says, conquers the three worlds. Then he performs a Rajasuya sacrifice. And then he got proud, and he kidnapped Rihaspati's wife, uh, Tara. And he wouldn't return her, although Rihaspati said, give me my wife back, because Soma was proud. And then there was a fight between them which involved the demons because uh, Vihaspati uh, and Shukra were enemies, naturally. Shukracharya, the Acharya of the, of, the, of the demons. So Shukra joined in against Vihaspati, against the moon. So he had an alliance <laughs> between Soma and Shukra and so the demons joined in. However, uh, Shiva joined the side of Brihaspati, who was the son of his spiritual master. Uh, 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 and he had all his ghosts and hobgoblins. Uh, because Brihaspati's father was Angira, and Angira had given Shiva knowledge, explained here. So, Therefore, you had another piece of cosmic warfare where everybody joined in. And Indra joined Brihaspati, naturally. And then there was a big fight, uh, all for Tara. Mind you, like the, the Iliad, right? <laughs> Helena Troy and everybody goes to war. Like, well, there's another. Didn't have to life. So... Uh, Brahma, when he found, Angira told him about this incident, 
he chastised Soma. And Lord Brahma intervened and gave Tara back to her husband. Her husband discovered she's pregnant. Well, whose child is this? Right? And then Brihaspati tells her, you know, you, sh- you should deliver your child at once. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to burn you to ashes. I know you're unchaste, but you did want a son. Therefore, I'm not going to punish you, he says. Right? So Tara is very embarrassed, and she gives birth to the child, who's very beautiful, with a golden bodily hue. And both Brihaspati and Soma wanted the child. So fighting broke out again between Brihaspati and Soma, both of whom claimed the child was theirs. So everybody, the saints and the devas, asked Tara, whose is it? She was the one who would know ultimately, she could say. And she doing the heaven, she's embarrassed, you know. And so finally she tells the truth. And she says, okay, this is the son of Soma, the moon god. And so Soma takes possession of the child. So then when Brahma saw that this child was deeply intelligent, he gave him the name Buddha. And then the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the moon, uh, Udarat, the lord of the stars, uh, rejoiced because he had this son. Then, Buddha, we go back to what we talked before, through the womb of Ila, got, uh, got the son called Pururava. That's this is this is how he comes about. Uh, uh, when his beauty, this is Pururava. And his beauty, personal qualities, magnanimity, behavior, wealth, and power were described by Narada in the court of Lord Indra. The celestial woman, Urvasi, was attracted to him. Pierced by the arrow of Cupid, she thus approached him. So she heard him. She, uh, she is Urvashi, as called here a celestial woman, Probably she she she's an apsara. <laughs> Kalpad uses the term heavenly society girl. Now, if you look up society girl now, they say like Paris Hilton or somebody somebody kind of rich and a little loose, <laughs> you might say. But they're, they're more like I guess the the correct word is courtesan, uh, because in the royal courts of Europe. They're women who were very, very wealthy, beautiful, and available, but only to people on a similar level of wealth and, and power and so on, the courtesans. And so they became the mistresses or girlfriends of nobility and things like that. So uh, the, the, this, is, this is what the Apsaras were. So this is Urvachi. She's described as Devi. Uh, like a, 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 a goddess. And so she hears about 
Now this is really kind of weird uh, because they now explain even though, okay, Puruva had these qualities, still, you know, Urvasi was, he, he's like on earth, you know. She's up, up in the court of Indra. Why should be attracted to a low-class guy, you know, on from earth? Well, there's this next verse. She was cursed by Mitra and Varuna. It says, having been cursed by Mitra and Varuna, the celestial woman Urvashi acquired the habits of a human being, Naralokata, the nature, Lokata, Naralokata, uh, the, 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 yeah, the, the qualities that Ta means like the qualities of Naraloka, the people of, of, of Loka, yeah, Nara, of human beings. Well, that's why she had kind of low taste because of being cursed. Therefore, it goes on, upon seeing Pururava, the best of males, whose beauty resembled that of Cupid, she controlled herself and then approached him. When he saw Urvashi, his eyes became jubilant in the ecstasy of joy. The hairs on his body stood on end with mild and pleasing words. He spoke to her as follows. So he sits down and we have their romantic conversation. He says, uh, because she's stunningly beautiful, really gorgeous, and, you know, really sort of above the reach of an earthling, I guess we could call it, you know. (laughs) And he asked her, uh, this proposition, sir, uh, become my my, uh, associate, Samramyama, Samramastha, my companion, uh, and enjoy with me Rati. It's a, it's a sexual relationship for a long time. So he propositions her. And she says, oh, you're so good looking. Who can not resist you, she says. Uh, so anyway, they have this cute conversation. and uh, uh, But then she says, but one thing she says, I, she has these two pet lambs. Now she's fallen down. She's down on earth now, right? And she, to, to, to see him, he propositioned her. She agreed. And she's got these two lambs. Like society goes, these are little chihuahuas or something. They don't have dogs. They would have lambs, you know. Uh, and he says, uh, just, just protect them also. And I, I, uh, uh, you are superior in every respect, and so I'm willing to enter into this relationship uh, uh, with you. Uh, but she has some conditions. One, please take care of my, my pet lambs. I only will eat preparations made of ghee, because, you know, she has high taste, right? Everything only has to be made in ghee. I shall not want to see you naked at any time except at the time of sex. I guess that, you know, from the heavenly planets, people kept themselves dressed. None of this wandering around naked. Uh, so you, that's a, then if, if, if you just follow these, you know, conditions, I want ghee, take care of my lambs, 
don't ever, you know, appear uh, to me without any clothes on unless you're, you know, going to have intimate uh, congress. But he accepted those conditions. Yeah. And he replied, then they have his reply, uh, and uh, he's ready to serve somebody who's a Davy like you. And uh, so therefore, it says here, the best of human beings, Pururava, being freely, began freely enjoying the company of Urvasi, who engaged in sexual activities with him in many celestial places, such as Chaicharath and Nandananda Kanana, Nandana Kanana, where the demigods enjoy. Also, uh, in, in Bard Varsha, some of those Varshas are the places where the devas come down to enjoy. Um, uh, uh, and so they, they visit, you know, like, just like very rich people get on yachts and go to the Caribbean, and, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, the same ideas there. Then it describes her. Her body was as fragrant as the saffron and lotus, and Sapruva enjoys with her. But now Indra is missing her. He says, without Urvasi in my court, it's no longer attractive. So he asked. <laughs> she was gone for a long time. The Gandharvas to bring her back. But the Gandharvas, they're kind of like thugs. You know, they're very powerful. Uh, they're, they're like the, the really old, uh, original version of fairies before, you know, the Victorians and Disney made them little and cute. They're very, very powerful and dangerous beings. And the Gandharvas, uh, and sometimes Prabhupada translates that as angels, but again, they're, they're, they're. So the Gandharvas come. And to sabotage the relationship, they came to earth in the middle of the night, midnight, and they stole the two lambs that she had entrusted to the king for taking care of. And so to her, those lambs were like her own children. And she began to cry, and she said to her husband things like, now I'm being killed. What kind of a man are you? You couldn't even do this. You're just a coward and a eunuch, she calls him. She, she insults his man, Naipumsa. <laughs> uh, and Vira Manina, uh, a, a hero in name only, you know. It's only in your own mind, are you great? And so she's so lamenting, and now she's lost, and he lies down at night in fear. Anyway, she goes on and, and really, like, pricks him with these... Like, like an elephant goat, you know. So he, what he does is he grabs a sword and heads out into the night to follow the Gandharvas. Doesn't put it gumsha on or anything, you know. So the gumsha, Gandharvas let them take the lambs. Then they lit up. They, sh- they shone brightly like night lights, big bright lights. So when Urvasi saw Pururva coming back, she saw that he was naked. And so she left. And then he was disturbed. Thus lamenting, he began traveling around the earth like a, uh, like a madman. Udmatava. He lamented. 
Now, the, the, the verses we are going to study are the second lamentation. They're not this lamentation. <laughs> but he laments. Uh, uh, and there he sees, finally traveling all over the world, lamenting, he finally sees her with, it says, five companions on the bank of the Saraswati at Kurukshetra. So he encounters her again. And then he pleads with her, uh, let's just stay a little while. If if you don't want to stay, let's just talk. Uh, uh, And then he says, uh, because you've refused me, uh, my my gorgeous body will fall down here. Uh, Because you don't like it, I'll just let the foxes and vultures eat it up. And she says, don't do that. Don't allow your senses to overcome you like foxes. Uh, and then she gives him a lecture. He says, actually, you should know the heart of a woman is like a fox. So she gives him a lecture on the evils of <laughs> herself, right? So that, that you can find in here. Uh, I'll, uh, 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 women as a class are mercilessly as in cunning. And anyway, so on. It goes on like that. Uh, and uh, he says, "You're, you know, she says you're, you're get eaten by a fox, but you're already eaten, <laughs> you know." Uh, so he says, "Women are fickled. Uh, you can go from one to the other." Of course, you saw what happened to Tara, you know. I mean, anyway. So then he says, "She says, okay, I, you, you can." be my husband once a year, one night, at the end of the year, I'll come to, to you. And she says here, in this way, uh, you will have other children one after another. So you notice there's no idea that you can have sex and, you know, no children. You want sons, I guess. So, so, I, so one time a year, children... And he understood that she was already pregnant. Uh, uh, And then, uh, I guess that's his child from before. So a year must have passed before he saw her, or something like that. And then, at the end of the year, again at Kurukshetra, he attained the Association of Vasi, and then she had the uh, mother of a Vira, a heroic son. And so uh, he regained her, and they had he had a company uh, for one night, and so uh, uh, she, she kind of gets tricked. But I guess we have to stop now. Maybe we're running out of time. I thought I'd finish this story, but... Uh, well, then, then, then what happens is the next time uh, she, finally she tells him, you should go to the Gandharvas and they'll be able to deliver me to you again in like a permanent thing. I don't know how long this had, had, had gone on because I think he had more than one child with her in the, in the genealogical tables. Or maybe it's by somebody else. And so then, 
the Gandharvas gave him a, 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 a replicant called an Agnistadi girl. Looked exactly like Ravasi. Uh, I don't know exactly what this, you know, it's having something like been formed or a post in the, something to do with a fire. Agnistadi. Uh, 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 so it was a replicant uh, who looked exactly like Urvasi, but when he was with her for a while, having sex with her, he could see it and tell that she wasn't the, the real one. Uh, so then, uh, let me just finish this part. He left her and then Agnistali, and then meditated on Arvasi. And then it says, in the course of his meditation, the trait of millennium began, and therefore the principles of the three Vedas, including the process of performing yajna fulfilled fruitive activities, appeared within his heart. So this is trait that yuga becomes. Remember, as up until now, it's been sati-yuga, where the yuga dharma is, is, is meditation. Now, Treta Yuga, it's Yajna. And so, performing fire sacrifices for material enjoyment to go to the heavenly planets. Well, he wants to go up there to Indra's court or wherever and get Urvasi. And so, therefore, and I think somehow that's the significant, unexplained exactly of this Agnishtali because he performs fire sacrifice. And so, the, this principle the three Vedas performing yajna appeared within his heart. When that process of fruit of yajna became manifest in his heart, he went to the same spot where he had left Agnishtali. There he saw from the womb of a shami tree, an ashvata tree had grown. Then he took the piece of wood from that tree and made the two aranis, the two sticks that you use to start the fire by friction. You don't use matches, you know, or whatever, coals. So he chanted mantras, meditated upon the lower arani as Urvashi, the upper one as himself, and the piece of wood in between as his son. That way he began to light the fire. So that's the beginning of the fire sacrifice. It's a, a, a representative of sex. <laughs> so... So then fire came, and then uh, from Purva's rubbing of the irony came a fire. By such fire, one can achieve all success and material enjoyment and be purified in some reverse initiation of the performance of sacrifice, uh, which are invoked with the combinations of the letter uh, mm. Thus the fire was considered the son of King Purva. Uh, uh, so then by the fire he performed sacrifice, but by that sacrifice it says he always he satisfied the supreme personality of Godhead, and therefore he worshipped the Lord also. Somewhere, somewhere uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says that when you perform Vedic sacrifices, there's always a tinge of bhakti, and from that tinge of bhakti you begin to make some uh, advancement. Uh, uh, 
So then, uh, uh, <laughs> this chapter concludes, at the beginning of Treaty Yuga, King Purūrava inaugurated a karmakam sacrifice, thus Purūrava, who considered the yajnik fire as son, was able to go to Gandharvaloka as he desired. That's what, that's what it uh, uh, says there. That's the back story. Okay, maybe we'll stop there. We, we, we didn't get very far, but I wanted I wanted to get this story here. Uh, it's mentioned, so probably mentions here in this purport. Uh, uh, he says he used his mantra to have children continuously by the worm of Urvasi. His only ambition was to have sex life with Urvasi and thereby get, get a son. I guess he did have more than... In other words, he had so much lust in his heart that even while performing yajna, he thought of Urvasi instead of thinking of the master yajna, yajneshvara, Lord Vishnu. Uh, anyway, that's more of that story. So that's how... That's how karma the sacrifices, according to the Bhagavad <laughs> came about. Any questions or comments? There's Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur who says uh, that by worshipping the fire uh, worshipping the Devadas by fire, he attained her association again on Gandharvaloga. When his lamentation dissipated after enjoying their bhakti, jnana, and vairagya, which had been covered by obstacles previously appeared in him, then he sang this song. Uh, so the song is his realized knowledge after it been through all of that stuff. Uh, Uh, let me see, did I read the big proposal for that one? Yeah, I'm sure the same thing. Anything else? Quite a story, huh? Okay, we'll pick Anandazalakabu uh, has a comment here. He says, thank you for the wonderful explanation of how karma came to this world. But Lord Krishna tells Arjuna that karma is ancient, but it can be changed out of five things, or 
that were discussed in Bhagavad Gita. So far as I know, it's there, but it just sometimes it comes to the fore, and especially karma comes to sacrifice. Uh, sacrifice is the yuga dharma, and it's it's when you say karma, it means pious work. It's it's activity following according to the prescriptions of the Vedas that take you upward. Uh, so it's quite, it's quite, and of course, in, in the Treta Yuga, there's also sages, there are other people who, who understanding the meaning of sacrifice and the purport of sacrifice, as, as Krishna explains in the, very nicely in the Bhagavad Gita, you come gradually to the higher realization. But it's not such a Yuga anymore, uh, and people are not automatically uh, attracted to the enunciation by following the Vedas or satisfying their desires in this way, they go up. Uh, and, uh, and people, and there was still, because humans were more uh, elevated, there was more association even then between the Devas uh, and the humans. Uh, you know, it, 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 we have, like, for example, in the West, coming from from uh, the ancient Greek and Roman mythologies, there's always stories of gods and gods uh, relating with human beings. Uh, uh, Jupiter, Zeus Pitar, God the Father, uh, comes down he sees a beautiful woman and, and like uh, like uh, uh, in the form of a swan or a bull or that has sexual union and great heroic stories. These are all derived from these original Vedic stories. And uh, one uh, 19th century German uh, uh, Poet and, and uh, thinker said uh, that in the days when the gods were more human, humans were more divine. In other words, they came. That even though humans were low class, still they were more elevated. But now, you know, you don't see them anymore. They have disappeared, and we say, "Oh, these are fairy tales from the cradle when human beings were." You know, stupid and didn't have science and everything and so they imagined all these supernatural beings but they saw them they were regular and you see this in the Ramayana and the, in the Mahabharata all, all these stories are there uh, and, and of course we think we're more advanced but according to this we're less advanced one you want to believe in. Either way, you place your faith, right? Don't think like 
if you accept this, you Bhagavatam, that you place, that, that here is faith, but if you believe science, it's not faith. Both acts of faith, which one? Which way do you want to accept? And a sacrificial fire, by the way, uh, was a very, very precise. Uh, it's, it's like modern science in that uh, you have to be exact. If you do science, you have to be very, very precise. Things have to be engineered very precisely. You have to have, you know, a little bit of contamination in your test tubes, ruins of the whole experiment. Uh, your measurements have to be exact, your tolerances for the equipment has to be exactly right, you're dealing with you know, very minutely things, the times have to be exactly right, and then it works. So Vedic sacrifice is more like a science. You think of it as a religious ritual. It's more like a science. Think, think of the priest as experts, and they had to exactly chant the mantras correctly, one syllable wrong, you're screwed. It won't work, or you get an opposite result. You have stories like that in the Bhagavatam. And therefore, one of the priests simply listened to the, the mantras being stated, and from that, uh, uh, you know, what you have in Sanskrit, which nobody saw anywhere else, is this exact representation in writing, or, 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 or not even in writing, but, but uh, of the sounds that you make. You have an alphabet that's scientific. You know, when you start with what we call the consonants, you start at the back of the throat, like that, you go from the back of the throat up, and it's all arranged how is the exact things, uh, and that's the alphabet. These things are all, it's like really a scientific alphabet, exactly pointing to the point of articulation of the sound in your mouth and how it's made. It's precise. And when the Europeans discovered it, it blew their minds. So they, first of all, soon recognized that this was the parent language of, of Latin and Greek, which they worshipped as the height of culture in the past. And, and, but here it was like a real thing. You know? And therefore we now have a, a way of science of linguistics uh, based on, on this discovery in the 19th century of Europeans of, of, of Sanskrit. Uh, uh, and uh, and at the same time they discovered the Upanishads and anyway, but uh, uh, but this 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 was a very, very it was more light of science, but it depended on mantras. And to modern people, it's it's like magic. You say a word, and something happens. They don't know how how mantras work. Or the power of them and what you have to do to make them work. 
uh, have no idea. The science, there's nobody that can do it anymore. There's no qualified brahmanas. So the, so the, so the effort to perform a karma karma sacrifice is, is, is useless. But that, that's what's happened. And we think it's more primitive. We think we're more advanced than anybody else. Advanced human society began to advance, uh, you know, in the 18th century, uh, when when uh, we finally got rid of religion and, and, and turned to ourselves to do things. And when that all fructified in the 20th century completely, we had two gigantic world wars and then a cold war. We were on the brink of nuclear destruction. That was our advancement, right? Wholesale destruction. And it's still scary, you may have noticed. What's your, what's your standard of advancement, you know? I, I mean, it's great. Uh, we have, uh, I have this laptop. I got an uh, iPhone, you know. I like them. I use them. We all use them. But were they more primitive because they didn't have a computer, or were they more advanced because they had perfect memories and had it all in their heads? And they didn't have writing because they didn't need to write anything down. That was for stupid people, merchants maybe, right, to keep, keep track of their goods and the shells who didn't have memories. What's your standard of advancement? How do you know which is the standard? Well, what's the point of human life? Do you know that? Anyway, <laughs> we can go But there's, you know, there's a reason why one, at least myself and others, we take this stuff seriously, not just just study it as a as a kind of hobby or uh, historical interest. Anything else? All right, next week we'll pick up with text number five. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai, Shri Bhagavatam Ki Jai.